Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, Matt Kelly and I take up two pieces of information recently released by FinCEN on financial institutions doing due diligence on customers and PEPs and conclude that the regulators may have actually hurt the compliance professional. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back in the land of living as the voice of compliance with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we take up some interesting bureaucratic ease from FinCEN. Uh, so, Matt, uh, first of all, welcome back, and it's great to be back in the weeds with you. Uh, hello, Tom. Uh, yes, it's uh, there's always something new to talk about, so let's uh, let's get rocking and rolling. So FinCEN recently, uh, I would say over the past four to six weeks, has had a couple of releases of information about what they expect uh, their regulated industries um, to do in terms of due diligence and also financial uh, firms should uh, do due diligence on politically exposed persons. Can you take it from there? Yeah, sure. So this is interesting that FinCEN, which nominally is part of the just, the Treasury Department, but it is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN has put out two pieces of guidance about performing due diligence in compliance with the customer due diligence rule. Uh, this primarily applies, as you said, to financial firms, and it is primarily about anti-money laundering risk. But I would suggest that any compliance officers who are listening here, uh, you still want to listen through to what FinCEN has been doing and talking about lately, even if you are not in financial services or you are mostly worried about bribery and corruption as opposed to money laundering, because it, they're raising some interesting questions about the uh, sufficiency of due diligence for the customer due diligence rule. And uh, you know, I think the points raised, you know, they're somewhat troubling and somewhat puzzling for any type of due diligence you might be doing on your third parties. Uh, but the first piece of guidance came out at the beginning of August, and basically it was a series of frequently asked questions that FinCEN had been getting from financial firms about how to comply with the customer due diligence rule. And uh, for those who might not remember, that was the rule that came out in 2017 requiring firms to identify the true beneficial owners of any companies that are opening bank accounts with you, the financial firm. Um, so you need to compile risk profiles of all of these uh, people and apply the appropriate amount of due diligence. Okay, that's kind of vague. And so banks were asking FinCEN, what do you really mean? What do we have to do for due diligence? What does a good customer risk profile look like? So they came out with this guidance at the beginning of August that basically didn't tell you anything you didn't already know. Um, for example, this is a question from the uh, guidance from early August. Is it a requirement under the due diligence rule that 
covered financial institutions use a specific method or categorization of risk to rate customers? Essentially, the answer was no. There is no specific method that you need to use to get a risk rate, a risk profile of your customer. Just use your best judgment based on a a risk-based approach for the individual customer. Well, what does that mean? And like, seriously, anybody listening, if you know what that means, tell me, because I couldn't really figure out what that means. Um, so there was a lot of vagueness there about what you should be doing for high-risk customers and due diligence procedures in general for the customer due diligence rule. And that was the first piece of guidance. Then uh, on August 21st, along comes another piece of guidance from FinCEN talking about due diligence specifically for politically exposed persons. Um, and the bottom line, again, is that you know banks do not need to adopt extra due diligence procedures for customers who are PEPs. And in fact, as the guidance from FinCEN points out, you don't actually need to designate a customer as a PEP at all. You don't have to. Um, and the, I'll give another line straight from that second piece of guidance here. There is no regulatory requirement in the customer due diligence rule, nor is there a supervisory expectation for banks to have unique additional due diligence steps for PEPs. So clearly, PEPs are some higher risk. And anybody who's working in anti-corruption and FCPA, you've known that for years, that PEPs are a radioactive isotope in the world of third parties, and you need to handle them very carefully. But here's FinCEN coming out with this guidance saying you don't actually need to take any specific extra steps for PEPs. And let's all remember there's no such thing under regulatory uh, requirements or statutes. There's no actual definition of PEPs at all. You know them when you see them. There's all sorts of lists of PEPs out there, but the government doesn't have one. And so you don't need to designate a customer as a PEP even if they are the you know vice minister of such and such division or they're the brother-in-law of the king's minister of whatever clearly they have political exposure and they're people so they are peps in a general sense but under the strict reading of the law peps aren't a real thing you don't need to apply any extra due diligence unless you think the risk is there so again we're right back to what i just said with the first piece of guidance what does this all mean and how are you supposed to deal with it if you're a compliance officer? And I don't know. I don't know why FinCEN put this out. It doesn't seem like very satisfactory guidance, but yet here it is. Basically, guidance saying, use your best judgment as you have all along and take an approach that makes sense based on your risk. And again, that's nothing a good compliance officer didn't already know. So why is this guidance come out? And Tom, I don't know, but that's, that's what's been happening. So the guidance is out, and it. We, I think we both feel like it's extraordinarily difficult, not simply to interpret, but implement uh, in a way that would fulfill anything that at least the guidance says. Um, but the thing that struck me, Matt, is there are numerous reasons for regulators to give guidance. Uh, one reason, obviously, mm-hmm. is to comply with the regulations. But there's also another reason, which is to give the uh, – portion of the company that has to implement those regulations, a real standard and even ammunition to take inside the company to point to and say, this is what we have to do, guys, because 
this is what FinCEN, this is what ASCC, this is what the DOJ say. And I know certainly within the context of the Hallmarks of an Effective Compliance Program, that's been an extraordinarily powerful tool for compliance officers. Could this FinCEN guidance have actually uh, done more than, than not help? It could actually have hurt compliance officers in making those arguments inside of a company? Well, I I think that's a good point. And I think it's a very valid concern for a compliance officer that you want concrete, specific things that regulators are saying, thou shalt do this, thou shalt treat this type of customer this way. And then you can go into the executive management committee and say, these are our requirements. We have to have our compliance program weaved around these fixed points that the regulators are giving us. This gives you no fixed points to weave anything around. Uh, This says, basically, use your best judgment based on the risks that the customer poses. So now you really are getting into it with the management committee or with the business operating people in the first line of defense about, well, what is sufficient due diligence? What is the real risk here? Do we really need to do this extra stuff for the vice minister of something or other? Because he's not a pep because the guidance itself says that peps aren't a thing. The peps are just a concept that the private sector uses. Well, we don't have to. The regulations don't say that you have to do it. Um, So you're much more arguing what is a sufficient amount of due diligence, what is an appropriate procedure to apply um, based on your own judgment and your own beliefs in what uh, the company's risk tolerance should be. And that's not the same as here's what the statute says, here's what the regulations say, this is what we therefore have to do. You don't have any of that now. So I actually see this as making um, the compliance officer's arguments much more difficult to make because the foundation you're pinning them on is much more elusive uh, thanks to this guidance. So I, I do wonder if um, if it's going to be more challenging. And as compliance officers are really FinCEN's and every other regulator's friends inside of an organization, uh, my concern, Matt, is that the regulator now has, has made that more difficult. And in addition to kind of the points that, that you've articulated, it also strikes me as it it really takes away any ability of or credibility even of the compliance officer to point to here's what we have to do. Uh, Because if the regulator doesn't give you that information um, and you interpret it some way, you read tea leaves or read enforcement actions, you may have even less credibility with your business colleagues going forward. You know, I, I do think that it's going to give other people in your firm more ability to push back and say, this that you're proposing, compliance officer, this isn't really necessary. You are overestimating the threat. Uh, you are being overzealous in interpreting the regulation. And so that's going to make it hard for the compliance officer within their firm. Um, one other thought that comes to my mind is that I do know the Justice Department and the Trump administration generally It's very hot on the idea that the only way for a company to break the law is to actually violate the terms of the statute. And you don't have you don't break the law when you violate a regulation because regulation isn't the law. Um, You know, and I forget exactly how the Justice Department phrases it, but you're not 
committing a violation simply because you are not obeying some certain preferred practice laid out in regulation or guidance or something like that. This kind of feels like a step in that direction, that FinCEN is not giving you any specific way, specific regulations, so therefore you, you can't be violating any regulation that doesn't really tell you anything. That's in spirit with what the Justice Department has said is the only, only, only way to break the law is to break the actual language of the statute. And okay, that might be a nice idea, but here in practice, you wind up with these mealy-mouthed pieces of guidance like this that don't really help compliance officers when you're trying to break, build an actual program. Kind of makes your position um, weaker because you're, like I said before, you've got no foundation to, to plant your flag in. So, Matt, uh, could you kind of wrap up where we ended up in this podcast? You know, I wish I could because this guidance is so vague. Um, We have this guidance from FinCEN that basically tells people to perform due diligence based upon your best assessment of the customer's risks. That is a nice idea, but in practice, that's going to be very difficult for the compliance officer to argue exactly how you translate that into real procedures to apply to real customers on a systemic basis. I think that's going to be a real challenge for compliance officers to figure out. Well, Matt, unfortunately, we now we are at the end of our time, but I uh, look forward to what next week brings us. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me, tfox, at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic and take a deep dive into the weeds of it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being a loyal listener. And we look forward to visiting with you again. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave a message on the speaker app on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.